Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, I mean, we'll put you on a player this morning. All right. All right, let's take one of these phone books and let's stand together and sing this morning. Turn to number 116. 116, and we're going to sing Victory in Jesus, amen? I got that a long time ago when I got saved, praise God. Let's sing. I heard an old old story, how Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. A word about his groaning, of his precious blood so atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus. My Savior
Don't just listen to Robert pray. You pray too. And our whole church prays together. It's power. Let's go. Let's lift these things up before the Lord this morning. Robert, lead us in prayer this morning.
just let out a big sigh of relief, grab his feet, and just cry a while. I may do that. Amen. I don't know. I tell you what, I'm longing to see him. I'm longing to see the one who gave his all for me. Amen. Who's made a place for me that's better than anything I've ever seen down here. Amen. What a day that'll be, as the song says, when my Jesus I shall see. All right, let's sing another. Number 67, 67 at Calvary. Amen. Let's sing about what he did for us. Amen. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord would crucify. Knowing not it was for me, he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. By God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I burned, till my guilty soul and glory turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was floated life to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Now I give to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my rapture soul can only sing of Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Oh, the love that through salvation plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did plan at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden spoke of liberty at Calvary. Hallelujah. Written by a rebel. Amen. We got one more. Let's done. If you're done, we can just stop right there. He's still playing now. Amen. All right. We're going to turn to one more. Number nine. That's all right. I skip verses all the time. <laughs> Amen. Number nine, standing on the promise. Standing on the promises of Christ, my King. Through eternal ages, let His praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. 
unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for him to come to them to him with all speed they departed. Let's go to the Lord in word of prayer this morning. Father, Lord, I come before you and I ask you please to help me. Lord, as I preach these next few moments, Father God, give me words to speak, Father, that reach down into hearts, and Father, the Holy Spirit of God can use to bring about changes in the lives of your people to make us more Christ-like, Lord, to help us to see things from a more godly perspective and less akin to this old world's ways. Father God, I just pray today that in this hour that we live in, Lord, this late hour before the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, we pray now that you give us guidance, Father, leadership, hold our hand and Guide our steps, Lord, as we walk through uncertain times and uncharted waters. Father, we pray, Lord, for Holy Ghost wisdom and leadership and guidance. I pray you speak through me the words you'd have me to say, Lord, in the manner you'd have me to say them. Totally control this vessel. It's yours, Lord. I yield myself to you. And I ask you, Holy Ghost of God, fill me with unction and power. Use me for glory, for your kingdom. And I'll give you all the praise and the glory. Father, I pray you cleanse me of anything that would hinder Lord, use me for your your kingdom now. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, so just to refresh and remember where we were at last week, Paul and Silas had come over here. They, we, they met at Philippi, and they went from Philippi to Thessalonica. Thessalonica, they, they came and assaulted the house of Jason where they were meeting, and they, 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 they drug them down to the magistrates, and they said, these who have turned the world upside down have showed up here. They've come here also. So Paul and Barnabas were whisked away to Berea. Okay? That's what we're going to look at. They are on their way to Berea. Uh, I, I titled this message this morning, Paul, a man on the run. He was a man on the run. And, you know, a lot of people, I guess, would if they were just didn't know the story, didn't understand what was going on, would read the history of Paul and say, man, what, you know, he, he didn't stick around very long. He'd go this town, it wouldn't be long. He'd take off and run off from there, run somewhere else. It kind of looks that way if you just have a, have a, a pure outsider's view, but when you understand that he stayed as long as he could stay before he was forced to leave. If he was, it was either stay and die or leave. And so I want us to look at that this morning, that Paul, being always on the run, there's, there's a lot here in Berea that we're going to see, but let's get into it this morning. All right, I want you to remember something that Christ had said one time when sending out his apostles regarding them running. I, 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 Jesus addressed this in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, and then in verse 23. I want you to listen to what Jesus said to his disciples as he sent them out. He said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. What do wolves do to sheep? They kill them and eat them, don't they? Right. So he's saying to them, I'm sending you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. What does that mean? That means there's going to be a lot of people out there going to destroy what you're doing, right? Okay. And he said, Therefore be you wise as serpents, and harmless as doves. You may see a snake, and folks say, well, that snake's as scared of you as you are of it. I doubt that most of the time. 
But the snake, generally, if you leave it alone and get away, it finds itself getting out of there. It don't, it don't hang around unless it feels threatened and it has to fight. Most of the time, uh, snakes will, will take the path of least resistance and go away unless they're defending their young or their home or their food, I guess. But, and then down in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gave these words to his disciples again. Listen to what he says. But when they persecute you in this city, what does he say? Flee ye into another. Jesus gave them advice. When there's trouble here, take off. Don't stay in the middle of the chaos. Take off. Go somewhere it ain't. All right? So we're going to look here as Paul and Silas are on their way now to Berea. But what happened in Thessalonica besides the trouble that we saw? Well, I think we can point out a few things that they did in Thessalonica. Uh, First of all, they, they laid the foundation there for a New Testament church. They saw souls saved, right? In Thessalonica, many got saved. I mean, a lot of them got saved. Matter of fact, they said so many that they turned the whole world upside down. Remember, we talked last week about when somebody comes to Christ and they become they, the, the, the characteristics of Christ begin to show up in their life, their world is turned completely upside down from the way it used to be because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, right? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So they're totally a different person than they were before. So they laid the foundation for a New Testament church. There was plenty of people there to start that church and continue that church. And, and they were training and teaching leaders for the work. But the more they were there, the more they worked, the more they taught, the more agitated people become. And you had people coming down and, and stirring up things, people getting involved and stirring up things. And it got to the point where they couldn't stay anymore. They weren't there very long, but they just couldn't stay anymore. They had to leave in order to get the persecution to die down. I don't believe that that the people of Thessalonica were nearly as upset about the people of Thessalonica meeting as a church as they were about Paul and Silas, foreigners, outsiders coming in, and what they saw as causing problems and tearing up their town, which, of course, we know it wasn't Paul and Silas. It was the disruptors who started the trouble. But they left Thessalonica and stopped the persecution. But I want us to notice the care that was given by the church when the threats were made. They, they loved Paul and Silas. I mean, they had brought to them salvation, so they cared about them. The Bible says that the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. Now, they, they, it's almost as if they had a plan in place. If it gets too bad, Paul, we're going to get you out of here. It's almost as if there was a plan in place, and I believe there was, and here's why I tell you that. Because in the epistle that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, in chapter 3, verse 4, here's what he said. He said, For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation. We told you trouble's going to follow us. So when we got there, we said, Hey, it'll be good for a little while, but trouble's coming, even as it came to pass, and you know. So he, this is not something that they didn't know. They knew from what had happened down the road. I mean, Paul couldn't help but they couldn't help but see the scars on Paul from where he was stoned to death. I'm sure he probably pulled up his shirt and showed showed the men how he had been whipped and beaten for the Lord. I mean, that was part of his testimony. I, I dare say that when he preached in new places, he, he turned back and lifted his shirt and showed him his back to say, you know what, no matter what it costs, I'm going to serve Jesus because of what he did for me. I guarantee you that was a part of his testimony. So they knew that trouble followed. They knew that they were not, that it wasn't a bed of roses 
But you know what? They were to never forget something. And I'm going to tell you something, my friends. You are never to forget something this morning. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, to be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And I got some news for you. If you're not on, on guard this morning in your life, if you've not been reading your Bible and staying close to your Savior, if you've not been praying and talking to God, the devil has got his eyes on you and knocking you down and rolling you around the dirt and scarring you all up. He wants to get you. If you don't pay attention, he's going to. If we get sleepy on him, he will take advantage of us because he's just looking for an advantage. And he was looking for an advantage in Paul's life as well. But you see, these people, these people in Thessalonica, they love Paul and Silas. And they love, let me tell you what love is. Love, love for them was, you know what, we love you and we want you here and we want you to teach us and we want you to help us build this church and get it started, but we love you so much and we realize your value to God that we're willing to send you on down the road so you don't get killed trying to teach us here. We love you enough to send you on down the road and have you write to us and tell us some stuff. They cared enough about them to get them to somebody else, now that they had gotten saved and knew how to get others saved, they said, hey, we can keep this going. We need to get you somewhere where you're not in danger. So they had care for them. They loved them, and they valued Paul and Silas and their work for Christ more than their own desire to be taught at the risk of Paul and Silas. Not only did I see the care, though, of of this church at Thessalonica, but I see the consistency of Paul and Silas. There was no fluctuation in their program. Once you get once you get to serving God, you don't you don't let circumstances change what you're doing. And I, and I, I've learned that over the years. I, I had to learn that because if you're not careful, the circumstances that befall you in your life will hinder you sometimes in your in your work and your witness if you let it. But they were consistent. They left Thessalonica. I mean, listen, they, 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 had, they, had, they had been beaten and imprisoned in Philippi. Now they're, they're about to be, have some bad things happen to them in Thessalonica, and, and they leave there, but they don't leave the work of God. It's trouble, 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 trouble. Everywhere they go, it seems like they're running into trouble, trouble, trouble. Trouble follows them everywhere I go. He told them ahead of time, I'm going to have trouble here. You just wait and see. Trouble, trouble, trouble. But I'm not going to change my course. I'm not going to change my course. You know why? You know why I know, how I know that? When they left Thessalonica and they went to Berea, they went straight to the synagogue. Straight to the synagogue. Look at the Bible here. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. So Paul has learned to have a short memory. You know, I, I, I watched a lot of football in my life, and they, anytime a quarterback throws an interception, they always say, "Well, he's got to have a short memory when he gets back out there." He can't remember that interception. You know, well, you know, Paul had to have a short memory too, because he had just got had his life threatened by a bunch of unruly Jews. He had gotten whipped and beaten and jailed by a bunch of unruly folks in the in the prior town, and he's had a bunch of other Jews stirring him up. Folks, so they wanted to kill him. So, I mean, he's had a trouble with, with Jews everywhere he's went. His own people, they have hated him and treated him unkind and treated him uh, spitefully everywhere he's gone, and yet he leaves a bunch of hateful Jews and he goes right down the road and goes to a bunch more Jews. 
All didn't quit on God just because he, he has had trouble with Jewish people everywhere he's gone. He has not quit on God. For all Paul knew, down in Berea, they're going to be just as hateful as they were in Thessalonica, just as hateful as they were in Philippi, just as hateful as they were in, in, in Lystra and Derby and, and all those other places I've been. They're going to be just as hateful there. But he went anyway. See, the gospel ain't about our feelings. The gospel isn't about, it ain't about our comfort or our happiness. It's about salvation for those who are lost, who are, who are dead in their sins. People that are dead in their sins are not living a good life. People that are living dead in their sins are not, are not people that, that you want to put your trust in and you want to spend a lot of time with, but they're people you want to give Jesus to so they're not those people that they are anymore. We need to always remember when it comes to sharing the gospel, you are taking the light to someone who's been in darkness their whole life. What happens when you've been in a dark room and you flip the light on? Me and, me and Savannah, we have a ritual every morning. I get her out of bed. First thing we do is walk over to the window. We stand at her little pink window shades, and she reaches up and pulls the window shade back in the sun, hits it, and we go, ah! Like it's just blinding us. Even if the sun ain't out bright, we do it. That's our little part. That's the way a lot of people are when, when the truth of God's Word hits you. Oh! You know why? Because it hurts. But a person has been in darkness for a long time. It hurts their eyes. Listen, we need to remember that. Whenever I heard the gospel and I really understood it, I got into conviction and it hurt. That's why these people are reacting the way they are. Confronted with truth, it hurts. Sometimes people say, oh, I need relief. Lord God, save me. And other times people say, I'm going to hurt you, but you hurt me. I said, first of all, Paul and Silas on the bridge. Second of all, I want you to look at the good character of the Berean people. Again, they didn't know what to expect when they got there. All they had seen thus far had been troubles. So they got down there in much supposed delight. The Bible tells us that these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. There was a difference about this group that he didn't see in the last one. They didn't seem to be prejudiced against them automatically. They didn't seem to be ill-tempered and looking for a fight automatically. No, these people actually thought for themselves. They weren't just, well, that's what we've always heard, so that's what we're going to do. They were, listen, that's the way people are in this country. Do you all know that? That's the way people are going about themselves in this country. Well, that's the way things have always been, so that's what we'll always believe. No, you need to wake up and smell the coffee and realize that there are evil forces at work in your government and in your country that are trying to destroy the freedom that we hold. And there, was, there were evil forces at work trying to destroy the work that Paul was trying to do for God back then. The devil is not going to take a vacation. But these people... These people fought for themselves. And since they were thinkers for themselves, and I know, you know what, I, 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 I can't help but think of the Greek influences had over these Jews. Had to. Because, I mean, I don't know if you can tell, but here's Jerusalem, here's Berea. There's a lot more Greek influence here than there is here. 
The Bible says the Jews require a sign, but the Greeks seek after wisdom. So I, believe, I can't help but believe that these Jews who are so far away from Jerusalem still have so in, much influence the Greek thought that they, they want to read from this out. And so they're thinkers. Rather than just show me something to impress me, and then I'll believe. No, let me hear what you've got to say. So they, had, they were thinkers, and so because they were open-minded, the Holy Spirit of God was able to work in them. They were willing to listen to what God was saying to them. In other words, before somebody's going to get saved, they've got to be willing to listen. And I'm going to tell you, and I, I know this thing, this, this, I, God just told me to mention this, but when we're witnessing to somebody, if you find yourself trying to share Jesus with somebody, understand something. People got a lot of leaning posts. Well, you know, I used to go to church with my grandma when I was a kid. That's a leaning post, so I must be all right because I was to church with her when I was a kid. And I'm a good person. That's another leaning post. You know, well, I grew up in church. That's another well, you know, I, I believe in giving and all. That's another one. You've got to remove them leaning posts. Not by, not by works of righteousness. We have been according to his mercy. We've got to pull those things out until they have nothing else to lean on and realize, hey, I've got to be saved. We've got to lead them out of their darkness into the light. But the Bereans, the Bible says, were more noble. They weren't crude and rude and, and ugly tempered. No, they were. They, they seemed to have a little sophistication to them. They seemed to have been a decent, a decent group of people, and, and they could be reasoned with. And so Paul was reasoning with them out of the Scriptures. They had a better temper than the other folks had had down the road, and they seemed ready to accept the truth. They were kind, Paul and Silas, even though they disagreed. We saw before what happened when somebody would disagree. They, they'd start shouting. They'd get, they'd get upset. They'd cause an uproar. But no, they were willing to stand there and listen to them and be kind to them even when they disagreed. Uh, I notice here in the Scripture where it said they received the word with all readiness of mind. They receive the word with all readiness of mind. That means they were willing to hear it. They were willing to listen. They said, you know, if that's the truth, we want it. And not only were they willing to hear it, they understood it. They understood that their works were not going to satisfy God. They understood that by being good Jews, they were not going to go to heaven. They understood that there was nothing that they could do but believe on Christ who Paul had showed them from the Bible. They didn't shut their eyes to the light. And like Lydia, they attended to the things that were spoken of Paul. They paid attention, and God was able to work. They didn't fight with them. They didn't argue with them. But you know what? Even though they were different from the Thessalonians and the Philippians, in the end result, it was the same as us. It was very much the same. First Thessalonians 1, 6-10, Paul talks about what happened in Thessalonica when he preached the gospel. He said, and you became followers of us. So when somebody gets saved, they're going to follow. They say, hey, that's the truth. That's the answers right there. That's what I need. Amen. I can't find these answers 
for my friends and my family. I got to go to the Word of God. I've got to go to the source of truth. So he said, you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the Word in much affliction. You had all these things coming against you, and still you wanted Jesus with the joy of the Holy Ghost. He said, so that you were examples to all who believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Not only did you follow us, but you became examples of what a believer ought to be for others to see what a, what a believer looks like. And then he says, for, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord. So not only were they living examples by living out their testimony, but they also were tellers of their testimony. They shared Christ. They sounded out the word of the Lord. They were a proclaimer of the truth of the word of God, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad. Everywhere they went, they went about talking about what Jesus had done in their life, the change that he had made. He says, so that we need not speak anything, because y'all are telling everybody everywhere. He's rejoicing over their, their, their uh, willingness to, to witness for Christ. He said, for they, he said, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. The results speak for themselves is what he's saying. How you turn to God from idols. Again, we are talking about an area of the country that was completely eat up with idols. He said, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he hath raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So they were looking and expecting Christ, and, and, the, and they're serving God. They completely turned upside down from what they once were. And here in Berea, we see that the Berean Christians search the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. They weren't just falling in with a blind faith. They weren't just saying, okay, well, we believe you because you said it. No, we're going to look for ourselves. We're going to make sure for ourselves that that's exactly what God says. And, and, and Paul gave them Old Testament prophecies to chew on about this is Christ. See, I'm sure he gave them, gave them Isaiah 53, uh, showing them how he's the Lamb of God. I mean, he could have went through many, many prophecies, and he gave them that to go home and chew on. And they went home, and they got along with God. Rather than getting in an uproar and rioting with a mob, no, they actually went home and thought about these things and prayed about these things and searched the Scriptures themselves and mulled this over and meditated on it. They put Christ to the test. Can I tell you something? There's nothing wrong with putting Christ to the test. Amen? A person ought to put Christ to the test. I wouldn't believe in something that I didn't check out for myself first. But let me say something about putting Christ to the test. I'm almost done. I'm drawing this to a close this morning. Number one, the doctrine of Christ doesn't fear man's scrutiny. God will stand up to anything man wants to throw at him. God's not afraid of anybody examining him and what he said. And if anybody will take an honest look at Jesus Christ, all they've got to do is take an honest examination. They'll find salvation. I mean, that, he, he is salvation. Jeremiah 29, 13, the Bible says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall seek, search for me with all your heart. All one has to do is look, but most people would rather not look. What does the Scripture say? Look and live. He's the Christ. He's the door. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. He is it. He doesn't fear man's examination. And thank God they did. They took the time and they examined him. And number two, the New Testament is examined by the Old Testament. Galatians 3, 24 and following. 
Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster. The Old Testament was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. I won't read all that scripture. But it's there to bring us, amen, to the understanding that we're all sinners. Again, like I said before, the Ten Commandments. It's just a laundry list of why you need Jesus because you can't do those things. I said number three, to receive the word, you've got to search it. John five thirty nine says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, for they are they which testify of me. All somebody's got to do is look. Again, just look. And they were willing to look. 1 Corinthians 2, 14, But the natural man receiveth not the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. And that's why the, the men who got so angry in Philippi, the men who got so angry in Thessalonica, they were trying, they, they looked at it naturally and said, this don't make no sense, we want this out of our town. But the, but the Bereans, they got alone with God and they were seeking God. When a man seeks God, God shows up. Amen? A man can't figure it out on his own. You can't understand God on your own, but when a man goes seeking the truth, God will meet him. And that's exactly what happened. By the way, searching the scriptures like they did, that's personal work. They didn't do that in the temple. The Bible said they did it daily. They do that at home. Can I tell you something? There are people that come to church, and that's the only Bible reading you get what I read to you on Sunday. I ain't saying it happens in here. I don't know if it happens in here because I don't follow you on. But I will say there are a lot of Christians. All the Bible they get is what the preacher reads to them on Sunday, and that shouldn't be. Amen. Every day of your life, you need to spend time with God. Every day of your life, you need to get in your Bible. Every day of your life, you need to not only let God speak to you, but you need to speak to God about the things that are troubling you. And you need to thank Him and praise Him for all He is in your life. You need that back and forth with God every day you live. You need Him. You don't realize how much you need Him until you really need Him. And number five, they made the Word of God their standard or the criteria by which anything and everything was judged. If you and I would do that, it'd change our life. Think about what I just said. Everything in our world and in our life should be judged by this book. I was talking to somebody the other day. I can't remember who it was. It was either Bonnie or Phyllis. I can't remember. We was having a conversation. Uh, I think it was Bonnie. Talking about if you don't, if if you you've got something you've had it six months and you and you haven't used it, it's time to throw it away, right? Now why did I say that? I lost my thought trying to think of that. Anyway, oh, the weeding out process. We'll do that with stuff in our closet, but yet we won't do that with stuff in our life. We look around our house and say, man, there's a lot of junk in here. I got to throw some of this stuff away. I need to have a garage sale and get rid of some of this stuff. Got clutter everywhere. My wife's big on getting rid of clutter. I lose stuff like that sometimes. She don't do it on purpose. And she's probably listening to me and mad because I mentioned it. No, she doesn't do that very often. It's very, 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 very seldom she does that. Uh, but it happens to people. What I'm trying to hint is, is that we like to get rid of clutter in our life, but we don't examine the things that we've allowed into our life that are eating away at us spiritually things that worldly, secular things that take up our time and draw us away from God. We need to do some inventory of those things too, the things that are holding us back spiritually and get rid of those things out of our life. Let the Word of God be our filter, to where, our, our sieve to where we check and see what needs to stay and what needs to go. 
I want us to look real quick at the results of the preaching. First of all, the Bible tells us many of them believed. It says there in verse 12, many of them believed. So they, they had revival. They had, they, had, uh, revival. they had a tremendous evangelistic time there in Berea. Tons of the people there in the synagogue got saved. And the Bible says that, that also, besides the Jews that believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. So not only did a lot of Jews get saved, a lot of Greeks got saved. And it kind of looks like maybe it was the women of the Greeks that got saved and then the men later. Of course, that happens sometimes. First Corinthians seven sixteen says, For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Sometimes it's the women that get saved. I mean, I look around here this morning. There's a lot more women in here than there are men. And this is not unique. I'm taking you through any church in this county. It's the same story. I preached in a black church on an afternoon, afternoon service one time in Paris. It was a room full of women. I said, where are all the men at? <laughs> they won't tell me. <sighs> but uh, it, it just, that's the way it is. But thank God for those women who went and told her husband, you know what I heard today? I heard that I can be forgiven of all my sins. I heard that my burdens can be lifted. I heard that I can have everlasting life. You need to go hear what I heard. That needs to happen. That needs to happen in some homes in Red River County. Amen. So the result of the preaching was tremendous. God blessed. It wasn't like it was over here. Amen. Where am I? Over here. Well, I don't even know what I'm at. Anyway, it wasn't like it was right here, here, here. I mean, they had faith, but this was a lot of people's faith. This was a victory in Paul's life. Everything was great. People getting saved right and left. And then the persecution showed up. He knew it was coming. All was well. And then the troublemakers showed up. Kind of reminds me of this country. Seemed like for a while everything was okay, so the troublemakers showed up. You know, the, the, the devil is always behind rioting and clamor. Anytime there's stuff like that going on, it's always the devil at work because the Bible tells us that God is not the author of confusion. So anytime that, that stuff's going on, you know it's the devil at work. So, you know, just as just Paul, Paul received his commission for Christ, from Christ to go and preach the gospel to all the world, just the same, those Jews had received their commission from Satan to go and tear up everything Paul was doing. The Bible says they stirred up the people. The people were fine until they got there and told them that there was a problem. Y'all ever heard this problem, reaction, solution? Y'all ever heard that? It's just three words that go together. That's, that's how come our world changes like it does before our eyes. They, they, the powers that be that want to change this world, they create a problem. They tell you what your reaction ought to be. That's what the news media does. And then they offer you a solution to the problem they created. That's how they change our world right in front of our eyes. They create it. They tell you how to react, and they tell you how to fix it. And we lose our liberties. Well, that's what was going on with Paul. Because, see, listen, Paul was in the house. He's getting people, people getting saved right and left. Well, all of a sudden, trouble shows up. There's a problem. And you should be angry. And the solution is to get these guys out of here. That's the best problem, reaction, solution. Old story. Been going on for a long, long time. So, again, these these are the same crowd that got Paul stoned in Lystra, got him killed there, and then, of course, Christ raised him up. 
But the devil hates the gospel being proclaimed. He hates it, hates it, hates it because he loses. Anytime the gospel is preached, the devil loses because people get saved. And if they don't get saved, listen, they get troubled about what they're doing. Somebody ends up, the Bible says the word won't return unto him void. So it's going to, it's going to do something. And the devil can't help but lose when the word of God gets preached. So what happens? Well, when the people got stirred up, look at verse 14. The Bible says, Then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. So again, there's chaos. People are mob running through the street, people shouting, uh, looking, looking to take them and throw them into prison or whatever. So immediately, as if they were being whisked away like some security team was running some kind of an operation, I believe they were prepared for this situation. They took Paul and they headed south towards the sea. The way it looked. But see, what happened was, they, they was uh, when they sent him off to the sea, look here, it says, as it were, so they ran a decoy operation. So maybe they dressed somebody up like Paul, and they sent him off heading toward the sea. Had some guys thinking somebody off to the sea. Oh, Paul, everybody chasing after Well, they sent Paul the other direction. So they had a plan. Amen? And... Once Paul got there, Paul was taken down the road to Athens. Again, they threw him off the trail. They got him down to Athens. And once there, Paul sent for Timothy and Silas and come on, guys, come on down here, it's safe. And at first glance, we look at this story. I mean, it might seem that Paul's doing things wrong for some reason. Because every time he tries to do anything, persecution finds him. Again, judging, and I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again this morning, judging this, by current standards, current church standards. You take a church that's being persecuted constantly, somebody said they can say, well, they're not doing something right because they're not upset. They're not having any, they're having all kinds of troubles down at that church. Obviously, they're not doing something right. That's not the case. In success and in trials, Paul faces persecution. So no matter what he does, right or wrong, whether it's success or whether it's a failure, you know what I see in this? I don't see persecution as a negative. I see persecution as God flipping a light switch on saying, Paul, the time's come to an end here, son. You need to move on down the road. It's just an alarm clock going off saying it's time to go. You've you stayed as long as you can stay here. Time to move on. Time to take the word of God somewhere else down the road, somebody else that needs it. When I take away from this scripture this morning, when I take away from this message this morning, it's not earth-shaking or powerful in that way. But I tell you, a lot of times we, we, we stay somewhere longer than we should stay. We try to do something longer than we should stay. A lot of times, and I found myself guilty of this. I'll try to reach somebody longer than they are interested in me trying to reach them. When long gone beyond, they, they, I, I mean, I can beat a dead horse best than anybody. There are times when God would just have you to go on and move to something else. A lot of times we run into dead ends in our spiritual life. We get into us. And God sometimes will bring some trouble into our life, and we say, why is the trouble coming into my life? 
Why is God trying to get you to move into a different area of your life, a different phase of your life, a different, a different area of ministry, a different, uh, a different way of doing something? Because what you're doing now, you may have fallen into a, a, just an old rut, and you're not going anywhere in your spiritual life. We can do that. We are creatures of comfort. We like to get in a comfortable spot and be still. But God doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to reach further than we reach. Pressing forward toward the mark, like Paul said. Forgetting those things which are behind. We're not going to stay back here and be comfortable in our faith and just say, I want to do God says, no. If you do, I'm going to want you uncomfortable. If you're going through some things right now and you don't really understand why you're going through them, Maybe pray. So, God, is there something else you'd have me be doing? Is there, is there more than you'd have me be doing in my life than what I'm doing right now? Is there some other area, uh, some other area I could serve you better than where I'm where I'm at right now? Am I really being used of you? Am I really giving you glory? Is my life really a testimony to what you can do, or is it a testimony to what I can do? I urge you today. To, to examine yourself, examine your service for Christ. Look back and say, okay, I have been saved this long. How many people have I led to Jesus? I've been saved this long. How many lives have I impacted for Christ? Am I done? Is there more for me to do? God, are you are you finished? God's not finished. I assure you that. And some have quit trying because they've run into persecution. But let Paul be an example to you that persecution is a part of it. But it's the persecution that keeps us drawing nearer to Jesus, drawing nearer to Jesus and saying, Jesus, you went through all kinds of persecution for me. God, give me your grace to face whatever i got to face for you so that souls go to heaven and so that someday when I stand before you, there's some glory to share. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation. I'm going to urge you this morning to do exactly what I, I just said to you. Ask God to show you this morning. God, am, am, have I hit the peak of what you'd have me to do? Or, Lord, is there still some hills for me to go up with you? Lord, is this it or is there more? If there's more, Lord, I'm not satisfied with what I have so far. I want more. And I'm willing to walk with you to whatever you have for me. We're going to sing a song of invitation. I'm going to ask you to do business with God this morning. I'm going to ask you to be serious about it this morning. Because he's serious about it. He's got, he's, got, he's got things that only you and I can do. There are people that only you and I are going to be able to reach. Let's ask God to lead us to those people and do the things he'd have us to do. Father, bless the invitation now. Lord, I pray you work in our lives. Father, I ask you now to turn it over to you, Lord, and, and, and it's all in your hands. Have your will and your way this invitation. Work in hearts and lives. Father, we give you the praise and the glory. We, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 383, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe.
Let's go turn the lights off. You want to go with me to turn the lights off? Let's go turn the light off. See if we can find where to turn the light off. Let me see if we can find where to turn the light off. Can you go down? Okay. Now, whoops, wait a minute, wait a minute. we got to go down one more time. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, here, let's go turn the light out. Come on, let's go down this way. Let's go this way. Let's go this way. Let's go down here and turn the light off. Okay. Let's see if we can turn the lights off. Okay, we gotta turn this one off. Okay. And then come here, we gotta turn let's see, what about this one? This one. Come here. Let's go. Okay, wait. Let's see. Here. Let's let's shut this door. Now, let's go this way. Let's go. Ooh, it's dark, isn't it? Let's go this way. We gotta turn the lights off. Whoop, come on. <laughs> Let's go this way. Let's turn this light off. And then let's turn this light off. Okay, now, now let's go in here. Let's go in here. Come on. Let's go in here. Come on. Come on. Yeah. We did it, didn't we? <laughs> we went and turned the lights off. Oh. <laughs> and the hall got dark, didn't it? <laughs> okay. Charlotte, are you ready to go? Okay. Okay. I guess I am. Man, yeah. Huh? Yeah, I got mine. Okay. Well, is that your sciatica And I picked up a 10 or 15 pounds of cotton four and myself it went way out. That. I got a steel rod in my back. Well, I just basically was late. Yeah, I paid that. Well, did Bonnie go off and leave you? She went, no. Yeah. I don't want her anymore. She might have been too much of she went out to get some picture frames. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that, that, if she'll look at it, she can get it. It's fixable. Oh, it is fixable? If the string is broken, but it yeah. gets some fish line or something and tie it and oh. take it down and tie it up. Yeah. It'll, it'll work. I bet she can do this. Okay. I mean, you could buy them one, but yeah. it's fixable. 
okay. Wow. Got a load. My goodness. Where are you girl. going with those? Um, that, I guess back to the nursery. Oh, I turned all the lights off in the hall. <laughs> She's going to the nursery. He's going to make it. (laughs) Okay. Well, I guess we're gone. Okay. See you later. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so glad you got to to be here with us today. Thank you. Nice to meet you. We had COVID right after Christmas, so we couldn't come to the funeral. Oh, Oh, my. Yeah. Well, this. God had a reason. Yeah. 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 So, well. So now we're here. Good. I'm glad you're here now. Yeah. <laughs> good. You're going to be here a while? or? We've got to leave in the morning. Oh, oh. okay. Well, I'm glad we're you got here. to come and be with us today. Well, good. Now, make you say. Good. Yeah. I'm Charlotte. <laughs> you welcome. Okay. Well, bye, y'all. Hey, you preacher. Bye. Okay. I didn't hear what he said. He said, remind me to tell everybody that we're having something. Oh, oh, I think it's uh, next Sunday is uh, dinner. We're, oh, okay. And it's okay. going to be Italian food. Oh, okay. Okay. Are we going to have lunch? Thanks, Thanksgiving? Yeah. Oh, okay. Ugh. Oh, that is grand sister. Yeah. Oh, that tickle in my throat. Oh, my.